Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. A web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves. In the program this week, we preview the provincial rugby final, look at the New Zealand Māori team, and hear from Robbie Deans about the challenges facing Australian rugby. We talk to the top rally driver Hayden Patton before the Rally of Spain, and the New Zealand tennis player Michael Venus before the Davis Cup tie against Chinese Taipei. The Māori All Black squad was named this week for their two matches in Japan next month. There was meant to be a third game against the Asia-Pacific Dragons, but that was cancelled because of the state of the pitch at the new National Stadium in Singapore. The 27-man squad is coached by Colin Cooper and Tambai Matson, and captained by the Taranaki centre Charlie Natai. The squad features 11 new caps. It's been a busy time for Colin Cooper, who's also coached Taranaki through to the ITM Cup Premiership final against Tasman this weekend. Barry Guy asked Cooper about his job of selecting the Māori side. It was good for Tabs because obviously I was a bit preoccupied. Um, so he, we would just monitor and we'd be calling and talking most of my on day-off days and just going through players. And So to have him aboard and being have the ability to travel and, and view and... Uh, Look at look at clubs. Was, uh, it's been good. So, but at the end of the day, those guys that we've selected, as I mentioned, uh, are certainly playing really good footy. Yeah, the, in the ITM Cup and Heartland, the the standard. You're happy with uh, with what you're seeing, and you've got some key guys and key positions. Well, that was important, you know, that we we did that, and um, obviously with uh, experienced players to back up those young guys to. So that you know, because a lot of those young guys would be the first time they've ever played a test, let alone travelled to Japan. So, so it was important that we got that balance right. How do you see the side? Because of course you've named yours the day after the All Blacks. Uh, yeah. But uh, where does this this fit as far as you're concerned? Well, I think this is a, a, the next step for you know to make the All Blacks, and um, and if they're not, if we've got just high team players to get them into Super, and uh, there are a number of last year's squad that have. That were just ITM players became super players. So I think this this team is to develop and showcase Māori rugby, but also give those individuals an opportunity to become professional players. And that's important because there was a few years there with you know the financial situation that a lot of other teams weren't playing. But back getting regular matches now, that's important. Yeah, I think so. I, I, you know, it's um, it's just grabbing opportunity to be to travel. Um, to represent Māori, to represent New Zealand rugby, and if those are opportunities, you know, this team will grab those opportunities, and if it means travelling, we'll travel. And Japan and the Asia Pacific competition, you know, they've, they've done well. Uh, what do you expect from them? Well, I think they, particularly at scrum time, they're going to be very good, and they've got a really smart coach, Eddie Jones. 
So they've got a lot of plays and phase play that our defence is going to have to be good. I think if we've got exciting ball carriers and ball runners, and that's um, if we can maintain the ball and win our set piece, uh, we'll also be a threat to them. Colin, can we uh, talk a little bit about um, the I-10 Cup yeah. and your team and your preparations towards the, the finals this week? Yeah, we're just trying to keep it low-key, really. You know, the emotion will take part of as, as it builds to the end of the week. So it's just about process and making sure we're doing everything that we're doing that's got us into a home final. Um, so, yeah, it's just, just keeping to the process, ticking off boxes and keeping the players... Um, feet on the ground and getting them ready because I think the crowd and the occasion and the emotion of being our first ever appearance in a in a, um, in a final uh, is is fantastic so yeah. It's kind of in a way similar to I guess how you have to deal with the multi team as well you know a lot of emotion um, mm. within the team for those single tests or something so it's a similar yes. type of scenario. Yes it is and uh, as I said it's um, being able to engage this group and what we're about and why we're travelling and the responsibility of the legacy that's behind us has been really, really important and Luke and myself have helped drive that um, and bring that out and it just gives the players more responsibility about why they're travelling and, um, you know, it, it, if it can help any Māori youth or any New Zealand youth become a, a sportsman that, that they are doing that and it's important that uh, they leave a really good impression um, back to the youth. Mm. I know this week um, you guys would probably um, focus a lot mainly on yourself, getting yourself ready for Taranaki, but in <coughs> terms of your opposition, um, where do their threats lie or how do you counteract? Yeah, yeah. well, Tasman, we, we certainly, you know, with um, video analysis and watching them play and obviously played against them around Robin, you know, they're just an exciting team. They, they defend with a lot of line speed, so we've got to be ready for that intensity. Um, we have to really treasure the ball because uh, we can't give them the ball. And they'll be doing the same with us because we've, you know, I think both teams have got the best attack in the competition. So, um, so I think it's about treasuring the ball and then when you're defending, trying to get it back. Jimmy Cowan seems to be sparking things quite well there for them, for Tasman, doesn't he? You, you know, is he a key? They're all keys. They're all keys. Like James Lowe's a key, Nolnick's a key. Um, they've got some quality players in there, along with Jimmy. Um, but you do, as you touched on there, you think playing at home is a big benefit? Well, it has to be, you know. And, and I saw, I witnessed that last week, I think at 30 all and going into extra time. I think it was a lot of the, the way our players, you know, I think everyone said to me, Auckland f uh, fatigued. I think our, our energy came from the crowd. So you don't have to change much, just carry on with what you're doing? Well, that's what's got us here. Why change? Meanwhile, the Tasman hooker Quinton McDonald says they've tried to keep things low-key since their emphatic semi-final victory over Canterbury last weekend. Uh, it's been pretty quiet. Eh? Um, I mean, we, did, we know we've got a big game ahead of us, but so we didn't really want to change anything. So it's been um, it's been pretty it's been pretty stock standard, which is um, which has been good. It hasn't been too too overruled by everything, so it's been all right. Yeah, the towns must be getting pretty excited though over what you you promoted last season you're now playing in the premiership final yeah i think yeah i think once the season's done and dusted wherever we finish i think we'll get to know like it's pretty hard we're stuck in the moment so we don't really know the full effects i've been i've been staying between Blenheim and nelson and i mean there's a big buzz but i think it kind of hasn't really hit home yet i know we've got a massive game but 
I mean, after the season, it'll kind of, it'll, I think it'll kind of sink in that we've done quite well. Yeah, it's all, as you say, it's about staying in the moment, but do you get training in that? I, mean, I imagine probably the All Blacks are, get used to that sort of thing, but um, we're talking provincial rugby here. It must be hard not to think about the big picture and the prize. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah well, that's, I think we've just been, I think our coach has been real good and our leadership group. I mean, we haven't really thought too much about the big final. I mean, it is like it is just another game, so I think if you try and make it, like make it a bit more than what it is. It kind of you can get kind of lost in it. So, but I think there's a we've got a good core group that were involved in that the championship final last year, and we've got a lot of experienced Super Rugby players and stuff like that. So, I mean, it is would be exciting. It is going to be an exciting game. So we just have to put our best foot forward. Uh, yeah, the game last weekend was you know pretty good in all departments. So, what you wanting more of the same? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We want, uh, yeah, we just want to just we just want to play, want to play some footy. We just don't want to go up to Naki in front of a big crowd, especially against their team. They're an awesome team and not for a shot. So we just want to, uh, yeah, we just want to hook into it and I mean play our game as best as we can. If we get the result, we we do. If we don't, I mean, if we've left it all out there, I think we'll be a bit disappointed. But we won't. I mean, yeah, this is way rugby goes. I was talking to Colin Cooper and he said, well, it's the two best attacking sides meeting in the final. So do you think that's possible? We can have, you know, just an attacking sort of game? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think we could, yeah. I mean, we've got to like our back lines are pretty, both teams are pretty good, real good. So but I think, you know, there's always, like, especially championship games and for the titles and stuff, I think it always comes down to the D, so... I think if we can hold them out or they could hold us out, I mean, might neutralise our attacking flair, but I think it's going to be an exciting game. I remember the last time, a couple of years ago, we had a Ranfilly Shield game there, and she was, uh, well, both scored over 40 points each, So, and, but we managed to lose, so hopefully it's not like that on Saturday. And and you got pipped in the regular season, didn't you, a late try to them? Yeah, we did, yeah. There was a, yeah, so they come up, yeah, they come down to Nelson and beat us at home, so which was a bit disappointing for us because we pride ourselves on playing well in front of our hometown. So, I mean, if we can manage to go up there and do the same to them, it would be an, an awesome achievement. But we know it's going to be a huge game. Yeah, so that defensive line's going to be extra important, I suppose. That's something you, you, you've sort of looked at this week? The, yeah, the, we their, always, their attack, yeah, we, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, we all, yeah, we've had a look, good look at the attack. I mean, yeah, we always... Um, we, we want to pride ourselves on our D. I think that was um, that's been our strength for the last last few weeks. So we want to just keep building on that. So I mean, they've got an awesome team. Their backline from nine to fifteen can score at, at will. So I mean, we're going to have to be all on our game to, to try and negate their team. Uh, Colin Cooper also says he reckons it was the crowd that got them through an overtime against Auckland uh, last weekend. So you know, you're going to be in. Enemy territory, not too many, uh, you know, uh, supporters. I imagine. No, no, it doesn't look like that way. Um, I think there's been a few bit of talk around town, people trying to go there, and just no, no, you know, no flights, no accommodation. So, I think we're going right into the enemy <laughs> enemy lines. So it'll be, um, no, it'll be exciting. I mean, we know the crowd will lift them, and hopefully we can use some of that to get us get us to uh, to bar up. So. Um... Win, lose or draw, what's this, the state of Tasman rugby to, you know, the huge steps, strides this year to next year? I mean, have you got that sort of uh, consistency, you got that depth to sort of continue to be a, 
you know, a, a contender? I think we do. I think um, I think we're in a good we're in a good stead with the coaching staff and all the management we've got. We're uh, I think we're in a real good spot to keep building. And I think we've got a lot of young players. I mean, our, our college boys uh, from Marlborough Boys College, Nelson Boys, etc. They're uh, they've been going real well in the Press Cup. I mean, Marlborough Boys won it last year. So I think if we can, the biggest thing if we can keep managing that and getting all the youth and that coming through, we'll be. I think we're in good stead. So. And I think, yes, the the, the um, core group should be pretty similar to next year, and it's just about filling in different spots. But I think we're not in a bad spot. And the amalgamations obviously work. It doesn't work e- everywhere, but Nelson Bays and Marlborough, you know, working together. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think it's taken a. It took a little while for at the start when Tasman was formed. It was still, and it's right, and it's uh, still still there. So. I think nowadays it's um, eased back. I think everyone's enjoying Tasman. I suppose a bit of success helps helps carry that a long way as well. So that's a, yeah, I think it's in a good spot as well. That's Barry Guy speaking to Quentin McDonald. The former Wallabies coach Robbie Deans has warned the Australian Rugby Union are in a dangerous situation financially. The ARU has been plagued by controversy, most recently the shock resignation of the Wallabies coach Ewan McKenzie, the appointment of Michael Checker, following an incident involving Kirtley Beale and the team's former business manager. The sport has already been struggling in Australia to compete with rival codes to attract crowds and sponsors. Dean says the disjointed relationship between the ARU and the Super Rugby franchises has put them in a precarious position. It is tenuous and... You combine that with the, the lack of alignment, which I allude to in the book, it's a very vulnerable situation to be in. Because and New Zealand's been through it to a large extent. You know, back in 2001, we went through a process where we placed the all-black jersey in the middle of the room, had all the CEOs, chairmen, coaches in one room and had a, a high-performance meeting and just made it very clear. But New Zealand's able to do this because... They control the key revenue streams and they control most of the appointments. So through that position of power, if you like, they can make decisions in the best interest of the game. But the mindset shift that was required was for everyone to understand that if the All Black jersey suffered, there was no guarantee that they'd have anything to run off anyway. And that's very much the Australian circumstance. They reflect their federal politics, to, to be fair. Dean says the Wallabies suffer because there's too much interference from board members. They have identified, to be fair, you know, Michael Hawker is chairman, and the board went through a review. They used uh, Mark Abib, a former politician, to, to, to do it. And a lot of the stuff we've already talked about came out of it. So it's pretty obvious the solutions, but they haven't taken the, the ultimate steps yet. You know? they, they, they've changed the constitution. They have the ability to, to create a... a fully independent governance circumstance, but they haven't taken those steps yet. So there's still blokes who are actively involved in the game who have vested interests and vested allegiances, and it's getting in the way, there's no doubt. However, he still believes they can be a threat at the World Cup next year and says Michael Checker is the right man to lead them. The thing about Czech is that he knows the context intimately. You know, he's come out of the heart of it, out of Ramwick. And that was uh, where he was a good appointment for the Waratahs, you know. And, and just his personality is such that he doesn't, doesn't get involved in, in the off-field stuff. He tends to just 
drive his thinking and, and his actions and the group to the things that are important to them and doesn't get distracted by the, by the politics. And, uh, and I think that'll be an asset. You might have to adapt some of his off-field antics. But, uh... <laughs> Deans also says they need to find a way to get Kirtley Beale back in the team. Look, Kirtley's a bloke who's you know, he's, he's a great kid. You know, he's, he's done some daft things. There's no doubt about that. He's, you know, he's vulnerable to the company that he keeps. Uh, and that's, that's the key. Uh, it would be a great shame to see him lost to the game. Because you know, he's, he's got a point of difference. He's, he's a bloke that uh, people turn up to watch. But clearly there's a bit of water to go under the bridge there. I'm not privy to those details, so it's probably not worth discussing. That's the former Wallabies and Crusaders coach Robbie Deans speaking at an event to launch his book, Red, Black and Gold. The Geraldine driver Hayden Patton takes part in the Rally of Spain this weekend, happy with what he's achieved so far this year. This is the fifth of six events he'll compete in this year as the third driver for the factory Hyundai Rally Sport team. Patton is hoping to eventually get a full-time drive on the WRC. He's coming off a sixth-place finish in Australia a month ago and told Barry Guy that he's happy with where he's at. Yeah, it's good. It's obviously uh, been, a, been a while, been that we uh, missed the last rally in France, so it's uh, just good to get back in the team and back in the car and uh, try and get the momentum going again. And, um, yeah, we've, we've had a bit more time, I guess, if you like, to do some preparation at home, so we're, we're well prepared for the weekend. Uh, yes, I'm sure we can always find something to do, but a little frustrating, you know, having these breaks? Oh, it is a little bit, but at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, we've got a massive opportunity this year to be part of the Hyundai team, and um, you know, the, the deal was only was ever for six or seven events, so you know, we're, we've always been expecting it, so we've just uh, made do the best we can, and you know, the, the biggest thing from from here on in is that for next year we can work on a contract that has a lot more rallies involved. Uh, so uh, coming uh, off Australia, though, uh, that sixth place, you must be full of confidence. Oh, it definitely is. Uh, okay, Australia was a good event for us. It was an event we knew well, and uh, and we felt comfortable in the car. And and you know the times are certainly improving. But you know this weekend will certainly be a bit more challenging. Uh, we're on tarmac for the first time, and it's not necessarily my favourite uh, surface. So we we have a lot of learning to do. Um, and you know we're also back in the European backyard. So of course we want to continue improving and continue to get closer to the front. But it will certainly be harder to do this weekend. Uh, you've competed in Spain before, but is it because of this mixed surface that's that's new to you? Uh, yeah, we've done this event a few times before, so we had some good experience. Uh, the previous two years was also mixed surface, where we do gravel on the first day and then two days of tarmac. Um, so, you know, we're reasonably familiar with the stages. Um, there's some slight variations this year with some new sections uh, in places, but in general, we have some good experience here. We've got good pace notes from previous years, so... You know, I think we're as well prepared as anyone. It's just going to come down to, uh, you know, the, the performance on the day, I guess, and, you know, hopefully we can push hard enough that the, that the times are there. You say the asphalt or tarmac um, is not, you know, to your liking, really. Is that just because it's uh, something you don't regularly do? Yeah, basically, like in New Zealand, we, we don't have uh, many tarmac roads to do um, to do rallying on, so we've only done, I think, five or six uh, tarmac events uh, before, so... Still relatively inexperienced, and we have a lot to learn, if you like. Um, 
but you know we're in a perfect environment again for that. You know our two teammates, Danny Sordo and Terry Neville, are, are Palmy specialists. So uh, you know we've, we've got a challenge to keep up with them, but at the same time we can probably learn a lot from them as well. So goals for this weekend then? Uh, I'm looking for we can certainly be inside the top eight again. That'd be great. Um, there's, a, there's a lot more world rally cars here, so I think there's about 16 uh, world rally cars. So the competition certainly a lot stiffer. Um, but at the same time, you know, we'd, we'd like to be setting some times uh, comparable to our teammates, and uh, particularly on Friday on the gravel, uh, you know, that's, that's when we need to make the most of it and try and set some good times. So uh, we're just going to take it stage by stage and uh, keep trying to improve. So you, have you been on the tarmac uh, this week practising? Is, is that possible? Uh, well, we get a, a two-pass reconnaissance uh, for each rally where we go over and write our pace notes and, and just in a road car at road speed, so... We've done that. Uh, we did a, a proper speed tarmac test uh, a week ago, uh, which was just really the confirmed setup details for the car. So, um, you know, all that side of things is all feeling and looking good. So, uh, as I say, I think we're as best prepared we can be. I understand the tyres have a fair bit to do with it, but, I mean, is it a whole different sensation on the tarmac than, uh, you know, the metal? I oh, definitely like it's... Uh, a completely different car setup, obviously, uh, but also quite a different driving style as well. You've, you've got to be a lot smoother, uh, a lot more precise, and then you know the grip levels we've got a, a, a ten times more than what we're here on gravel. So the speeds are higher, the corner speeds are higher. So you, you really just have to adjust everything um, to the highest speed. So um, it, you know it's certainly enjoyable, uh, but it does take a little bit of adapting. Okay, so uh, this is your penultimate event for the year. How do you rate things uh, have gone this year for you? Uh, so far, they've gone uh, exactly the plan. Uh, we always set out to uh, start steady, uh, which we did at the first one in Italy, and then build on it from there. And we've shown clear progress from rally to rally. And um, if we can continue to do that for these uh, next two, that'd be great. Uh, but, you know, uh, I think we've done enough in these last four events that, we're in a good position to get a contract for next year. Um, in what shape or form that may be, we're not sure yet, but uh, we, we've done our job in that respect. Now we can just uh, not have the pressure of having to perform for a contract on our shoulders for the next two. We can just focus purely on driving as fast as we can and getting the best result. Hayden Patton speaking to Barry Guy. Davis Cup Tennis has returned to Christchurch on the indoor courts at Wilding Park. New Zealand are taking on Chinese Taipei in a crucial relegation tie. Both countries fighting to stay in Asia Oceania's Group 1, alongside India, Uzbekistan, Korea and China. It's been a positive year for the country's male players, with Marcus Daniel, Michael Venus and Artem Sitak enjoying career-best seasons. The New Zealand number 1 Venus is up to a career-high world doubles ranking of 57. He's played all four Grand Slams and made the third round of both the Australian and US Opens. SeaTac teamed up with Daniel to win a second-tier challenger tournament in Canada, and SeaTac's up to 67 in the ATP double rankings. Meanwhile, Daniel claimed his first top 100 scalp of his career in singles at a challenger event in Mexico. Richard Wayne spoke with Venus before the opening singles rubbers, who says he's had a hectic year. It's been non-stop, uh, so I left home first week in January, and yeah, when I got back last Wednesday, it's the first time I've been home since then, so... Been on the road traveling, playing the whole time. But it's been a good year in saying that. So just looking to build on that going into 2015. Has it been your best year? I understand a few of you are having a career best year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it would be best year. I got to play in all four of the Grand Slams this year. 
then made the third round at Australian Open and US Open. So yeah, no, definitely for me has been uh, the best year on tour so far. Do you take a lot of confidence out of that and uh, heading into this crucial tie? Yeah, I think just the, uh, the results throughout the year and playing at that level, you're just more comfortable uh, in your game in that and playing in occasions like this, you're just a bit more relaxed and and everything, so I think uh, going out, you know, feeling good, uh, just got to go out there and, and play my game and see where, where we're at at the end of the day. What do you put these improvements that you guys have been making, and, and you especially, um, down to, uh, like, Grand Slam level third round? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's been good. Um, I think it takes a little while when you first get out on tour to get used to everything, and um, and that's so it takes a while to get through those things, um, especially when you're doing it kind of how uh, we are with no coaches or trainers or anything. Um, so everything we do is on our own. Um, but, yeah, it's just just been taking care of the little things, gym each day, you know, fitness, all the stretching and everything, uh, and just keeping good habits and routines and, you know, not getting down on yourself if one week doesn't work out so well, you know, just getting back out there and trying to fix it and, and continuing on. I mean, it is pretty bloody tough, you know, when you're outside the top 100 I mean, I know you're in the top 100 in doubles, but you know, on the tour, uh, going around the world, it's just um, like you can be you can be winning these challenger tournaments in singles, say, or even doubles, and you know, you're not going to really make any money until you're in that sort of top 100 and and, pl- and getting automatic entry, are you? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the first step is uh, trying to break through those so you can get in the uh, in the top 100, and you know, that's it takes a little bit longer for for some of us with. We don't have the luxuries of, uh, you know, just ducking back home or seeing your coach every so often just from the logistics of the travel travel point of view. And um, some of these other guys in countries, they have uh, pretty big financial backing, so they're traveling with their coaches or trainers and that, that uh, we don't have that either. So, yeah, now now we're in the top 100, so I need to at least, uh, you know, cover the expenses and that. But then uh, you start to look at the things where you need to get better in order to uh, get to that next level and... Uh, going to have to put some more money back into it in order to reach those goals. Yeah, I remember reading um, Agassi's amazing bio <laughs> open, right, yeah. and about how he was just, you know, on hotel floors and, and whatever he could to to get. It is a bit like that, isn't it, uh, until you can sort of, you know, get up the ladder a bit. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you, you're finding guys to room with. You're looking at the prices on the meals, and, you know, you try and, you try and keep it um, as cheap and simple as possible, but at the same time, you've got to be uh, getting the right right sleep and uh, the right nutrition and everything so you're playing well so it's a, it's a bit of a balance act that you're trying to do um, and you just do the best you can Right well um, looking ahead to this crucial tie, um, what would relegation mean for tennis here? I mean it's it's pretty big isn't it? Yeah I mean obviously uh, we want to stay in group one, that's where um, you know the bigger countries are with um, you know looking forward, they're looking to push into world groups so I mean competing with them and, and that you know it's just that's the uh that's kind of the area that we want to be around and we want to be at consistently um so i mean this is a big tie for us uh yeah we just got to kind of take it one match at a time and uh everyone just go out there and do their job and hopefully at the end of the weekend we uh we're where we want to be looking at looking at the rankings um it's not too dissimilar in the singles although i'd say you guys actually have an edge there but you're all over them in the doubles is that where this tie might be won yeah, I mean doubles is, is is very key, and and Davis Cup it can can change the momentum and everything. But in saying that, you need to go take care of the first two singles before we get to the doubles. So we don't want to be 0-2 down playing the doubles. Uh, preferably like to be 2-0 up. So 
so yeah, I mean, we know these guys from playing on the similar tournaments and that, uh, so we know what to expect. Um, so yeah, just a matter of, like I said before, just getting out there, playing our game, and um, making necessary adjustments during the match if we need to, and and hopefully getting there. For Davis Cup, I mean, you can almost throw the rankings out the window. You know, people when they start playing for their country. You know, everyone everyone will do anything, and then uh, it's a bit of a different aspect to playing best of five sets and and that. So there's a few more things going around than normal matches. Once you're on the court playing, I mean, the number next to your name doesn't really have any effect on it. That's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radioNZ.co.nz. Well, you can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. I'm Alex Coogan Reeves, and we'll be back with more extra time next week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.